0: For everything. For everything Indy. For everything Colts. It's the Blue Horseshoe now. now. Here's your host, George Bremer and Ryan Hickey. And welcome into the Blue Horseshoe Podcast Preview Edition Colts-Cowboys Sunday Night Football. George, just when the nation thought they kind of got rid of the Colts, and after that Monday night game against the Steelers, they don't have to watch any more Colts football. Guess what? They are back this time on Sunday night. And we'll get you covered for this game. Not a lot, frankly, to talk about, George. Like, matchup-wise, the Colts think the Cowboys are 8-3. This should be an easy win. We'll give you our game picks anyway, just for, you know, just see if maybe the Colts can cover the 10.5 the points. is a big one here. There is something to watch out for uh, in this game. It has nothing to do with on the field. we we'll that here in a second. And also, in our last pod, in case you missed it, make sure you go back and check out the Blue Horseshoe Pod wherever you do get your podcasts. Because we did a, a pretty, I would say, deep dive. Or at least I had a fun chat about Jim Harbaugh's future And is he having too much success at Michigan where he would want to leave and come coach the Colts team was a new twist that Jim Mercy is kind of pulling out in order to maybe get Jim Harbaugh uh, over to the Colts. I'll tell you what that is here in a little bit. But George, Sunday night, prime time. Is there any sort of juice, any sort of excitement for this game? whatsoever? especially considering the Colts are rarely on prime time to begin with. With that said, I I don't know about you, but for me, I got nothing here.
1: Uh, Nothing. I, I wonder, it's one of those things. This is where I'm at on the game. So, like, my big question is, would the Cowboys rather face 11 regular size Colts or 100 <laughs> mini Jeff Saturdays on, sun-
0: on Sunday? Oh, that's – would... hmm. strength in numbers, right? That's a, That's a Golden State Warriors mm-hmm. uh, theme when they won their titles. So I'll go strength in numbers here. I'll say you'd definitely rather face 11 regular size Colts rather than 100 mini Jim Saturdays, uh, Jeff Saturdays. That's right? where uh, I am with this one. Gonna be tough if you're Dak Prescott trying to avoid like a hundred Jeff Saturdays coming at you, just kind yeah. of gnawing at your legs. Like eventually, you're just gonna tip over. Maybe you that's know they're,
1: they're, gonna... they're relentless, right? I mean, those Jeff Saturdays that's are true. not gonna quit, they're coming that's all day. Point. So you
0: could truck them, run them over, doesn't matter. They'll still come with a lot of intensity and focus.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it's a tough matchup.
0: So, unless the NFL rules want to change between now and Sunday, which I mean, it's a lot of time. I record this on Thursday. That's what, 72 hours to, to make mm-hmm. uh make some clones, which I mean, technology now, we can easily clone Jeff Saturday into a mini version, get 100 Three of those. Running,
1: right? Right. <laughs> Take care right. of it that
0: way. And Roger Gale is a man of the ratings. Sunday night, I mean, NBC is playing a lot of money, so I'm sure they want an intriguing matchup. Yeah, I think the nation wants to see 100 mini Jeff Saturdays. I like it, George. You, George oh, Bremer I mean, right. uh, for a commissioner. Watch out, Roger Goodell.
1: I am here for it. Absolutely. You're not going to get that anywhere else either. That is only here on the Blue Horseshoe
0: Pod. And that's why hopefully you enjoy us, And that's why hopefully you are downloading and liking and subscribing to the Blue Horseshoe Pod because you are going to hear ideas literally no one else will have, that's for sure. So when George is eventually commissioner of the NFL or maybe the lead director for NBC, you'll remember where he got started from. That's right here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod. All right, so unless, again, the rules change and technology advances drastically, we can have 100 mini Jeff Saturdays on the field Sunday, this is not going to be a very exciting matchup. This is not going to be a very, frankly, good game considering the Colts are where they are and the Cowboys are a very good team. So with that said, George, the season being lost at 4-7-1, I do think there is one thing to watch for Colts fans the rest of the way, and that is the left tackle position. I think Bernard Ryman is really the only person, the only thing worth still tuning in for because we know the offense thinks the defense is very good, but they get no help from the offense, so it really doesn't matter. But this is a huge five week stretch here, especially starting now Sunday night, where the Cowboys come in leading the NFL in sacks. Micah Parsons is right now, I'd say, the front runner for defensive player of the year. He's going to have his hands full, uh, kind of switching both sides here, but Ryman's going to have his hands full. If you can pass this five week test, play really well. We were talking about it on the last pod about, you know, kind of some of the draft strategies for the Colts. And if they don't go quarterback at uh, in round number one, maybe you to address another position. Well, if you're Bernard Ryman, you play well these last five games, I think you make. You know, Chris Ballard or whoever's the GM feel pretty good that maybe left tackle is not a drastic need. Or maybe if you're not going to go quarterback in round number one, you go somewhere else. Or maybe it frees you up to go all, all in on getting your franchise guy in the first round. Either way, I think this is going to be a huge, you know, five-week stretch here. Six-week stretch on the calendar, at least, for Bernard Ryman to see if he can kind of truly take a stranglehold of the left tackle position.
1: Yeah, or anywhere on the line. You know, I think that's the other thing. True. Like, right guard's probably going to be open, too. So, you know, I think it's, it's a really big stretch for him. Um, and like you said, I, I think he's, he's faced some really tough competition already uh, You know, in a short time out there, and he's going to see some more coming up. Obviously, uh, the Cowboys, I think, lead the league in sacks. I, I feel like everybody on that team has eight. I don't know if that's true, but I, I feel like the Waterboy like- has eight sacks this year in, in Dallas. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's just, it doesn't matter. I think they just line up. They, they, they have like a halftime contest, and fans come <laughs> out and get a sack in the second half. It, it really doesn't seem to matter who it is. Uh, but when you throw in Micah Parsons into that mix, they're just that much more dangerous. Uh, and then you look going forward, you know, like like you mentioned earlier, uh, I think off the air, Z'Darrius Smith coming up with the Vikings uh, in a couple weeks. You're going to see probably Joey Bosa in the next primetime game against the Chargers. So it's not – he's going to go against the number one pick, Tavon Walker, at the end of the year. Oh, wait, nope, not the Jaguars. I, Jaguars, Texans are confused. Yeah. they confused. Actually, Both you bad. know, go back to uh, week one, Jerry Hughes played like the number one pick. So we'll That's see if he can still win down. But there's a lot on the line for him, and I think there's a lot on the line for this offensive line in general. I think his spot specifically, um, you know, he's got a chance to kind of solidify himself and earn a a role for next year. Will Fries, I think, is in the same boat. You know, can he be that right guard? Can can you make this the mix next year? But the line in general, I think they're improving slowly. I think the last couple weeks you've seen better play from them. Uh, And if they can get things together and, and finish the year on a high note, that's probably the best thing you can hope for. The only other position I would even honestly keep an eye on as far as like young guys and, and their arcs is Quiddy Pay if he's able to come back. He had a really good start this year. That ankle injury, unfortunately, derailed things for a while. He's another guy. If he can get out there and play the last five weeks, he's been practicing this week. So fingers crossed, you know, if he can finish with another couple sacks that just get him on another high note as, as well.
0: You're right. And it's just like at this point, like we're, where we are, it's all about worth watching individual players, or individual units. Right. Like this with this season being the way it is now, it's all you have left to kind of watch and root for. And like I said, like this is a great test. Even going back to last week, like, look, I know, you know, Ryman was the one who got beat on the Matt Ryan trip sack uh, in the final drive that, you know, kind of set them back in second and 17 that. As we know, eventually led to the uh, botch clock management there by Jeff Saturday. And then even on fourth down, he got kind of pushed right back into the quarterback and kind of forced me around and flushed pocket. But otherwise, he played a pretty solid game against the Steelers. T.J. Watt, I know he was kind of moving all around. That's a, a group effort. But for the offensive line's credit, T.J. Watt was basically invisible. And in that game of Montana, which is a huge credit to them. So if you can kind of continue to build, uh, especially with Ryan and left tackle, again, it just helps free you up and helps make – the draft like, give you a little bit more flexibility because, again, we, we talk about the holes on this team. Obviously, a quarterback is the biggest one that everyone looks and talks about. But, again, whether the quarterback you want is not there, whether you're apprehensive about maybe trading up future assets in order to kind of get a guy you can possibly, you know, maybe get, a, again, a Bryce Young, let's say pick number two and number three if he does fall. Like maybe you're apprehensive because you have so many other holes to give up assets. If you can at least shore up. What has been the biggest question mark release? Have yourself feel, you know, good going into 2023 that, hey, this is a development. This is a guy that maybe we could project being a guy at left tackle kind of like Anthony Casanza once for a decade. Okay, that's a, that's a win. Like, at this point, like, you got to take a win where you can get him. The division is shot. The playoffs are shot. Like, at this point, it's about small wins. If you can have Bernard Ryman develop into a guy that even maybe could give you hope of being a, a 10-year left tackle with this five-game stretch here where he's facing some stiff competition, I mean, that's that's a win going into the offseason.
1: Yeah, I feel like every year going into the draft, the more holes you can fill, uh, the better. The less desperate you are going into the draft, the less right, the less need picks you have to make, the the better off you are. Uh the more you can move around on the board freely, the more you can just take best player available. Uh, and I think that's Raymond plays a huge role in that. You know, if he comes out here and he looks like a guy who at you least feel like you feel comfortable going into next year with him as a starter, um, that, that's a big step for this football team. And like you said, uh, they're not going to the playoffs they're definitely not winning this division you, you got to take what you can get and and i think that's one of the things that you can measure uh that you can watch that, that actually matters down the stretch the games matter to the players obviously you know none of them are going to say anything different nor should they i mean they've, they've got jobs to earn unless you're a rookie who's not playing right now um you need this team to, to play well i mean if you want to take somebody else's job you might be okay with with tanking but 90% of this roster can't think that way. Um, but from a fan standpoint, from a media standpoint, yeah. What is there out there to watch? What is there out there to care about? The pass rush is – the pass protection is is probably – well, not probably. It's definitely at the top of the list. I mean, even right. if Matt Ryan doesn't take advantage of it or if they go back to Sam Ellinger at some point, uh, however that plays out, quarterbacks don't take advantage of it that's not even as important as whether or not it exists. Are there clean pockets? Can they run the ball a little bit better in these, these last five weeks? That's more important than the final score. Honestly,
0: without a doubt, like I said, the Colts could lose 45, nothing on Sunday, but if Matt Ryan is a clean pocket, he gets sacked maybe one time and pressure, like, you know, and hit three times. Like that's a massive win because you know, when we talk about young quarterbacks, right? It's not just for first of all, Bernard Ryan on the line. It's everyone has to improve. Right. And one of the quickest ways to ruin a young quarterback is, is giving you know having them face pressure constantly and not protecting them. So you know, for I know every Colson wants a young quarterback, and, and so do I. Like, like this, this carousel is frustrating, it's annoying. I want to get off, you want everyone wants to get off, right? Chris Bell wants to get off it, Jim Mercer wants to get off it. But one of the fastest ways to getting off it outside of just drafting the guy is putting them in a position to succeed. And that yeah. first and foremost starts with the five guys up front blocking. They have not done that for the most part with any sort of consistency or any sort of, of eliteness this season. And now again, going against Cowboys on Sunday Night football, the league leaders in sacks. If you are able to at least get, allow Matt Ryan to walk off the field in one piece where he has some time. even had to complete the passes. The guys may not catch him. at may not be, he may throw picks and even get trip sacked. But if he's, if he has for the most part time to throw, that is a massive, massive, massive win. Because again, it's not just Bernard Ryman, like it's Quentin Nelson who's played bad this year. It's Ryan Kelly who's really struggled this year. It's at times Braden Seth playing bad. The the right guard's been the rotating spot for the most part, but Will Fries has done an okay job. Like everyone, not just Ryman, needs to, you know, kind of pick up their level of play in the last five weeks in order to kind of said take some pressure off of the GM when it comes to draft time and allow them the flexibility. If they want to go all in on a guy they identify to be the guy quarterback, it gives them the flexibility to because you have a little bit less pause about, do I really want to give all these assets, we still have to address the line and maybe address multiple positions on the line. So I think Bernard Ryman's the guy to watch going down the stretch here, George, his last five games, especially Sunday, but it's also, you know, can carry over to the entire five guys because all five as a unit have really struggled to play well this year.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I think the other thing to watch on Sunday is, is the other sideline, right? I mean, these two coordinators in Dallas, uh, Kellen Moore on the offensive side, Dan Quinn on, on the defensive side, they're obviously going to be heavy names in, in the head coaching search this year. Um, I'm sure at some point I, – I can't guarantee they'll get interviews or anything like that here, but I'm sure at some point their names will be mentioned in connection with this job. Um, if I had to choose between two of them, I would kind of look more at Kellen Moore right now. Uh, one, he's young, and, and I think it's going to be a little bit of time before this team gets things together. So he's got a little bit more time, I think, to sit through a rebuild. But two – this has been a fascinating offense to watch this year. The, the way that he's kind of changed their focus from week to week and sometimes from drive to drive, highlighting different players, highlighting different elements. Sometimes they go run heavy. Sometimes they go pass heavy. But, you know, whether it's C.D. Lamb or it's Peyton Hendershot, they're they're working in guys in the situations. They're scoring points. A guy like that, to me, is intriguing, especially if you don't have the quarterback situation, you know, completely figured out a guy who maybe can go come in and scheme some things up. Now, is it realistic? I don't know. I mean, Dallas is probably going to do everything they can to hold on to him. I certainly would if he was my offense coordinator. Uh, and also I would think if, if you were him, you're not in a terrible spot and you're probably going to be picky about where you go. Um, but he's a guy that I would have a lot of interest in if I was Jim mercy.
0: Oh, absolutely. Especially to when you look at like there are, Low key, a good amount of similarities on offense between the Cowboys and the Colts. And obviously, take the results aside, but you like you mentioned, like look how the Cowboys having success on offense. It's by running the ball with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. Well, obviously, the Colts have a really good running back in in uh, in Jonathan Taylor, um, for sure. They have a solid offensive line. The Cowboys do. They use three tight ends, which the Colts have. Now you're starting to see the emergence of Jelani Woods, especially last game. Oli Cox is more of a blocker than a, a pass catcher, but Kylan Granton, as well has been you know making a few plays in the past game as well. They have three tight ends that, again, when called upon, could make a few plays. Michael Pittman Jr. I would say is comparable to Ceedee Lamb. Ceedee Lamb is better, but again, there's not you know a wide gap between the two. And there's some questions on you know behind depth wise uh, in Dallas behind Ceedee Lamb, kind of like there is with the Colts. Like again, we've seen guys like Harris uh, Campbell step up this year, but there's really no definitive standout number two guys kind of dominated all season long, kind of like the Cowboys used to have with Amari Cooper and let's say and Ceedee Lamb a few years ago. But like there are some similarities where you're, you're right. If you're killing more, like maybe you wait and just say you know what, Mike McCarthy, kind of knowing and seeing how you know Jerry Jones is, maybe he'll get fired after the season they lose in the first round, or maybe he'll get fired next year, and you say you know what? I'll just stay here until I get the Cowboys job. But if you want to go to a team where the situation in terms of the pieces you're working with is similar, there's no obviously Dak Prescott right now. But again, Dak Prescott was what a. Th- fourth round pick, third round pick. So it's not like so. he was the number one overall where that was a flashy guy you couldn't miss. And that's all the talent in the world. Kellen Moore's doing a good job with his offense, considering the pieces he has. And it's not crazy to kind of look at the Colts offense and see some similarities where you could make an adjustment. Say, okay, what he's doing in Dallas could work also and translate to the Colts.
1: It's wild speculation season, right? Like that's what we're yes. doing now. Um, so here's what I'll throw out there for you. What about Ooh. this combo head coach, Kellen Moore, and your quarterback is a later-round guy, Michael Penix Jr.
0: From Washington. Can I be honest, George?
1: Mm-hmm. That's I what I'm still, for.
0: I still have PTSD from Michael Penix Jr. 2020 against Penn State where he was clearly out of bounds. The referees, that must have gotten paid. I think I saw uh, Tom Allen put a, a 20 in, uh, in the referee's pocket to call it a good two-point conversion. Anyway, taking my Penn State bias out of it, Michael Penix Jr. is a guy that – the only concern is obviously injuries, right? He, he's been mm-hmm. very good at Washington, and that's really where his Indiana career, as many fans know, seeing him up close right there in Bloomington. He was good when he was on the field. He just couldn't stay on the field. That's, a, that's interesting, George. I kind of like it. You know, that's a guy who so works. If you're talking about value where you can't get Bryce Young, which most likely won't happen, Henton Hooker maybe goes higher than you think, or maybe you're sc- scared off you know, by the torn ACL and maybe don't like him as a prospect. I would rather take that risk of Michael Penning's junior, let's say, I do second or third round compared to, Taking Will Levis and Anthony Richardson and maybe the top ten pick—that's for sure.
1: Yeah, no, and I'm and I'm thinking with with Penix, if he's healthy, I do see a little Dak Prescott there. I think there is there there are some things that he does that could be Dak Prescott like. Not in year one, but it, a guy like Kellen Moore might be the right guy to bring him along and and get him to that point. And whether it's Penix or it's or it's any other quarterback, uh, I think that's one of the reasons that you would want Kellen Moore coming in. He obviously played the position. Uh, you know, he's and he's done a good job developing it. I think, to me, what's more impressive than what Prescott, because we kind of knew who he is, it's what they were able to do with Cooper Rush. The way they were able to still win games, the way they were able to use him, not, he wasn't lighting it up by any stretch of the imagination, but they were putting him in good situations, and they were able to, their offense with Cooper Rush was more effective than the Colts offense has been with Matt Ryan.
0: And then you look on the defensive side of the ball for the Cowboys too. Like one of the reasons why you mentioned they're winning games with Cooper Rush is that defense has been outstanding so far Mm -hmm. this year. And that turnaround has been largely led by Dan Quinn, who's now in a second year in Dallas doing a great job. Like I said, they were number one in turnover differential last year. They're number one in sacks this year. So they're doing the two things that, you know, defense needed to do to to change games. And that's cause turnovers and get after the quarterback. That's a guy that obviously, you know, went to a Super Bowl with Atlanta. I thought I was going to leave, honestly, after last year and decided to uh, to come back, you know, didn't take the Broncos job and didn't really interview really anywhere else outside of that. That's a guy that I do wonder. Like, I will say when it comes to defensive coaches, George, I do have a little pause depending on who they are just because now, especially with the offense so important and obviously quarterback development, extremely important for the Colts to have a young quarterback. If you hire a guy like Dan Quinn from the defensive side, you're going to have to hire obviously an offense coordinator and whether that's Cal Moore goes to them, whether that's another guy, the odds are if success happens, that offense coordinator is going to leave to take a head coaching job. Where at least it helps if you do have an offense mind as head coach, they're obviously not going in. Right? They they are the head coach. They're not leaving for another job. Um, where that's the only risk you have is you're kind of playing musical chairs every few years. Um, again, if the offense coordinator is a home run and if they're able to develop quarterbacks. Now, again, that could be a good problem to have because the Colts have not really had that for uh, in a while. But – that is one of the risks I at least personally feel when it comes to hiring a defensive mind, like in this case, Dan uh Dan Quinn.
1: Yeah, I think that's always the concern, right? Because th- that offense coordinator does well, he moves on, and now you've got to replace him. And you know, how many times can you make the right choice there? And how long does that, you know, what, what's the sustainability of, of that kind of marriage? Uh, I think is is definitely a question with any time there's a defensive coach out there. I think one thing that would be interesting here is you know, he's still in that Seattle. Dan Quinn came from that Seattle tree. So there would be a lot of changes defensively, but I don't think it would be massive for the team. There, There's a lot of things that, that they would do now that they would that would carry over. I think the one big difference between the Dallas defense and the Colts defense is obviously their approach to the pass rush. and I think that would be the biggest, you know, if, if you're looking for, like, the biggest reason to bring in Dan Quinn, it's right there. I mean, what have the Colts lacked for, I don't know, 10 years, it feels like. Yeah. That pass rush, you know, getting after the quarterback – you feel like he's a guy who would fix that, at least. You worry about the offensive side, obviously. Uh, but I think if I'm if I'm looking for reasons to talk myself into Dan Quinn, it starts with the pass rush.
0: And not to mention, like, look what they've done with Micah Parsons, who, again, is a linebacker mm-hmm. now who's almost strictly defensive NBA and athletic freak that just wrecks plays. I mean, you could easily envision Shaq Leonard being that same kind of equivalent, just av- even more of a game record than it is right now. That would be, I will say, a lot of fun to watch. If, if that is the guy that the Colts do hiring Dan Quinn, if he's even interested. But you talk about a fun piece to work with. Dan Quinn would have. Shaq Leonard could, I think, easily fit into that Micah Parsons role for sure.
1: And Dan Quinn does have a history with Matt Ryan. I heard they played in a big That's, game once together.
0: <laughs> heard they blew some sort of lead. I think a small lead in the yeah, fourth quarter so, that no one really brings know. up.
1: The numbers don't stick in my head for some reason. It's, <laughs> it's, they're not memorable.
0: Yeah, that's one of the most forgettable Super Bowls. That is that is for sure. Yeah. That is for sure. But, yeah, that's it is interesting. And I wonder, especially, too, to kind of wrap this up, George, Jim Mersey is a, is a fan at heart. So he's a, a man that sometimes thinks with his emotions and his heart rather than his brain. I wonder if this does get ugly, where you see that the Cowboys' offense may tear up the Colts' defense or vice versa. The, the defense for Dallas is just overwhelming the Colts' offense and offensive line. If you're Jim Erson, you're there watching, you know, either Dan Quinn, Moore, or both go to work. It's hard to think that he won't all of a sudden kind of have more of an interest and an intrigue saying, oh, you know, if you can't beat him, join him. let least we can get one of these guys over here.
1: Yeah. Uh, that That's definitely an easier fix than a hundred mini Jeff Saturdays. So I think that's going to be <laughs> higher on the list one.
0: That is, that is, that's a great way to kind of bring this segment full circle. That is for sure. Oh, George, you are funny. When we do return here on the Blue Horseshoe pod, speaking so of head coaches. We talked a lot about Jim Harbaugh on the last pod and the fact that maybe he's having too much success at Michigan to leave for the Colts. There's one interesting angle. It has appeared and rumored to be that Jim Irsay is breaking out. Let's say he's breaking out the big guns. we will tell you what he's trying to do to lure uh, Jim Harbaugh possibly back to town. We'll do that when the Blue Horseshoe pod returns.